755 is real with David O'Brien and Eric O'Flaherty. Welcome back to 755 is real. I'm David O'Brien, Braze writer for The Athletic. I'm with my co-host, Eric O'Flaherty, former Braze reliever out in Seattle. What's happening, Eric? How you doing, man? Um, great. It's going to be 80 degrees today. Oh, it's hot for sunny? us. Yep. Outstanding, man. Yep. Outstanding. Well, we have got a bunch of good questions again from the readers. We're going to get to an update on the uh, <laughs> on the stalemate between the players and, the, and the owners. <laughs> We're going to get to an update. It is we going to come that. to an end soon, one way or the other, folks. <laughs> and there is, and there are a couple of things to report on it. But uh, first of all, I just wanted to get some cool questions that we got from our listeners. So. Um, while we have a chance to do this, you know, while we're not talking about games and everything, which we're um, hopefully we're going to be doing soon, but this stuff's good. Uh, let's start off with Kevin Forbes. Kevin Forbes 66 says with everything going on, labor virus, shrinking minors, etc., Do you see an opportunity for independent ball, college ball, etc.? cetera? Uh, the Savannah bananas here sell out all <laughs> summer. That? Fun. That's an indie league team. Okay. Sell out all summer. Fun baseball with energy and love of the game. I think the Macon Bacon, too. The two two great names. They're also indie league team. Uh, I do. We've talked about this. I do personally, at least while uh, the majors are not going on and no minor league balls going on this year, I think if, uh, if, if indie ball teams could actually get going, but I don't think they will because states right now have restrictions on gatherings, and if you can't have any yeah. attendance – then there's no revenues for those teams. So they face a lot of the same problems why you're not going to have a minor league season. So, Yet um, they're still going when it's all said and done. But, yeah, with the shrinking of the minor leagues, like in a regular minor league season now after they've cut 40 teams out, there's going to be a lot of fringe players that are, you know were good enough to play in A ball, low A ball, and maybe we're getting older teams uh, you know, didn't promote them. That that might make for more viable minor league teams. I mean, indie, indie ball teams, because like you said, there are a few right now, like the Savannah Bananas, the Macon Bacon teams that uh, are actually entertaining. I think there'll be more of those. I don't think it's ever going to be a booming industry, but yeah, there could be some legitimate independent leagues with guys who uh, who just don't have a spot now to play in in uh, low A and that kind of thing. And college what? ball, we've talked about that. We both think it's going to be a boon for college ball and JUCO ball. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Co- I don't know why college isn't bigger. I think it just can't compete with, you know, the football is just so college football is for me, probably bigger than the NFL for a lot of people. Yeah. But I think the big opportunities, the, you know, getting rid of all those minor league teams, the talent level and in independent ball is going to go up a lot. Uh, you're going to see a lot better players uh, mm-hmm. that would have been on, you know, lower levels of the minors or hanging on to their uh, minor league career, having to go play indie ball. So in that aspect, I think it's a, you know, a big advantage for them down the road. But, yeah. I mean, they got to survive this whole thing in the first place. Not having a season this year has got to kill them. Yeah, those journey. we talked about how those journeymen, you're not going to see many of those guys, maybe catchers, but that's about it. In AAA, that you, these guys, with, and, and every team has them, that's, that play five, six years in AAA, bounce around. Yeah. You're not going to see those because teams are going to release those guys because they have to move up some of their lower guys. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I think that you know. So maybe the talent, the talent level goes up. Um, indie ball's tough because it's uh, you know what. Honestly, I don't know if, if if it's in your town if you really care if this guy's an A ball player or if he's playing indie ball. Uh, it's it's all about minor leagues. Just all about the presentation, all the stuff they yeah. do between innings. Right. Just, you know, it's it's so much more about the fan experience. So um, if they can improve that, I, I think it'd be good. And then you have more talent too. 
I know it's an isolated incident, but that movie, I mean, it, I just keep recalling the movie, the, uh, the battered bastards of baseball, uh, about, the port, that. about that port. You haven't watched it. Uh-uh. Oh, dude, you got to watch it. It's the one of the best baseball movies ever. But it was on. It's on uh, Netflix still about the Portland Mavericks in the in the seventies. They were all these rogues, renegades, castoffs, and uh, uh, Kurt Russell's dad was an actor. Uh, or, or his uncle did the uh, put together this team, bought the team, and they because they were they were they were cut from. They had been a Triple uh, A team. And their ties to the big league team got t- got cut, and the people in Portland responded when he put together this indie ball team, and they had like three times the crowds that they had had when they were AAA. They were selling out their little ballpark in Portland, and they won. That was back when they allowed indie ball teams to play with affiliate teams. They won their league and all this. They went to, I mean, they were incredible success so much so that baseball MLB came back in because they have the rights to do this and they kind of big they bigfooted and bought them back and made them like a double a team or whatever they made them and attendance fell plummeted because they weren't fun anymore but they were renegades man they were like they do all, <laughs> it was like it was like what you'd see in movies like like major league they did this stuff for real and they were good too yeah, I think that'd be a big angle too for for independent ball to kind of have some different rules, let the guys fight, you know, kind of take some chances and just be an outlaw league. I think people, would, yeah, you know, you see a, a lot of the the stuff in the game that's turning people on now is the bat flips and and the acts right. that you see on the field. If you embrace that as a league, I think you're going to get a lot more people interested. Jim Bouton went and played for them. He had been retired for for uh, three years, four years, something longer than that, maybe. He went and played for the Portland Mavericks and pitched well enough that the Braves then signed him. I mean, he he only he couldn't, as Dale Murphy said, he couldn't break a pane of glass at that point. But he had enough guile and everything to get by, and he actually pitched for the Braves after that. They signed him from the Portland Mavericks. I think you can see a lot more of that. You know, guys kind of playing against lesser competition, getting their confidence back, maybe having the a lower skill level to learn a new pitch against, you know, even if you're in your mid thirties or early thirties and you're kind of out of baseball. Yeah. Cause it's hard. It, man, triple is such a high level. Now you really can't experience experiment too much because you're going to get ripped. Yeah. Watch that movie, man. You'll love it. Uh, Dale right. Murphy, you know, he, he's from Portland and he had some friends that he played with that ended up on that team. They had like open tryouts. They had hundreds of people show up from all over the country for these open tryouts. If I could go play for a team, I could have a few beers in like the third inning and then go pitch. You could have done it for this team. (laughs) I'd be anything went, and they were good about it. Yeah, they were older than all the guys they played against, and uh, and they were grizzled and everything, and and (laughs) and they and they played well. I mean, (laughs) but yeah, it's a good, great great movie. Um, I watch it. So uh, let's see the next one from Salmonoles Three. Sam at Salmonoles Three. I guess he's a Florida State fan. He, uh, he says, tell us about the time an organization housed you, Eric, and other minor leaguers in a California college dorm while students were still living there. <laughs> oh, I think we talked about this already, but that was the best setup I've ever no, had. Yeah, but we- you didn't talk about the details. You only talked about a couple of things. Like, what exactly uh, went on? Because I could imagine having minor league players with a little bit of money, whatever, and who didn't have to wake up at eight in the morning, and go to class. You're living in the dorms with college kids. Tell us what oh, ensued. It's a shit show. <laughs> what ensued. Uh, so basically we were playing in San Bernardino and they have a, um, they have a university, California, San Bernardino. Um, it was, it's only like 10 minutes from the stadium in Inland Empire. 
and they'd started new dorms and they'd only had them about, you know, like 50% full. So they offered for us to rent them out. And we jumped at that opportunity. I never went to college, but I mean, we were the big dogs on campus, man. We could buy beer. We all had nice cars from our signing bonus and stuff. We didn't have to get up early in the morning. Most of the guys were single. And, you know, when they did it, they sat us all down when they did it because they knew how bad of an idea it was. But I think they'd already agreed to it or uh-huh. – I don't know how, man, but I mean, we were the boys when we showed up at the pool, you know, after a Sunday day game with a couple of cases of beer. <laughs> College uh, without fun. classes, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we didn't have to get to the field till two, so we could kind of party and, and sleep in. And, you know, when you're 19, 20 years uh-huh. old, 21, you know, you could you could play in those games hungover. And so we... We just had the right team for it. I mean, we had a beer pong table in our dorm. It was, it was a pretty cool experience for me, man. The craziest, well, the worst thing that happened, we had this, our manager, he used to always say, um, what's up, dog, to everybody. Uh, uh-huh. and, and so we we wound up, you know, we got these passes to this college country hip-hop bar that was right across the street from the stadium. And uh, he winds up, he winds up t- giving us the passes if we won five games in a row. That was the deal. He goes, because he didn't want to give them to us. But we got in for free, and it was right next to the stadium. And he said, if you guys win five in a row, then I'll give you the passes. And we won, like, our first five games of the season. Uh, and so um, we we throw a party that night. We well, we all we go to the bar, and we invite everybody back to the dorms. And it's like, um, it's like 3 a.m. or something like that. And sure enough, the cops get called to the dorms. It was Gary Thurman was our manager, and he played in the big leagues. He knew the deal, and he was smart enough. He put his dorm, because he was staying there, too. The coaches were staying there, and he put his dorm right across the hall from ours, and I was really shy, man. I never talked. I never spoke up. You know, He liked me because I just quiet, went about my work, so he barely even knew me, <laughs> and we get this knock on our door at like 3 a.m., and it's Thurman. And I answer the door, and I'm just like, what's up, dog? <laughs> and... He goes, oh, all you, all you, all you mother, all you guys are pitching tomorrow. You're all playing tomorrow. You get your asses to bed, shut the whole thing down. And so the next day we get to the stadium and he, he calls every guy that was in that room. You know, there's probably like seven or eight of us. He calls every guy into his office and says, you guys are all pitching today. You're all playing today. And if you don't do well, your ass is going back to Wisconsin, a ball, which you don't want to ever go back. Um, so all of us were, were, I mean, pitching like our life was on the line that night. I remember I came in in the seventh inning. It was like a tie game or something. I gave up a leadoff single and then got like a ground ball and then struck a guy out. And I had, I knew if I, if I didn't put up a clean inning, it was going to look really bad. And I, I come set and I look back to the runner on second and he just does something a little weird. And I'm so, I'm so hungover. And I'm so, uh, you know, just my adrenaline, my heart's pumping like it's a World Series game or something like that. Because he wasn't going to send me down, but I didn't know that. I look at the runner on second. He does something kind of weird, and I think he's tipping signs. So I jump off the mound and walk halfway to second base and start just cussing him out, screaming at him. You better not be tipping signs. The guy just kind of like throws his hands up like, what are you talking about, man? He said, what's up, dog? Yeah. So I'm kind of having a meltdown. I scream at this guy. I punched the I punched the next guy out. So now there's two outs. And I look back and he's still kind of doing something. I yell at him again. So then I step off, get back on the mound, and I get my signs and I turn around and look at second base and he just slams his hands on his knees and says, Throw the damn ball. <laughs> right? so I wind up getting a pop out. 
and just like you know jumping around the mound screaming and nobody knows what's what I, what we got riding on this game but i just come off looking like a huge asshole asshole and the whole thing every single guy that played in that game had a great game and so Thurm pulled us in after the game he goes all right you guys got what it takes you're good oh that's great man that's yeah. I'm just picturing you guys sitting around the pool with your coolers. You guys are like a bunch of Woodersons from Dazed and Confused, Matthew. We really were. <laughs> yeah. But we were the we were the we were the cool guys on campus because you know, they're going to school with a bunch of dudes that are trying to get good grades yeah. and stuff. We were just doing whatever we wanted. It was a it was such a disaster scenario. Luckily I was only there for like I was there for like two months and then uh got called up to double A. But that's not fair, man. If the for the for the poor freshman dudes who are living in that dorm, they're like, man. They're like trying to get accustomed to being comfortable in social settings and going to parties and college classes. And you guys are like athletes hanging out by the pool with coolers, you know, drawing well, all the chicks. Yeah. And the majority <laughs> of the guys on the team had already gone through college. So they had it down, you know, they knew the skit and everything. And then the guys that hadn't, we were all that driving Escalades right. and stuff like that, you know, That's cause that was the right. cool car back then. It was fun. It was fun. I didn't really want to go up to Double I kind of wanted to stay. What an idea. Jesus, the organization that came up with that. I can't <laughs> let's, imagine let's have it's still live going. In college dorms. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's oh, plenty of incidents. All right. Uh, the next one from Joel Einan. Uh, he says, in the podcast with Fulty, Eric asked if, if he was tipping pitches in game five, the question got skipped because of the guys were talking. That's probably me talking. Other guys. If he, if he was, now now that Azuna is on the team, would he share that intel? That's interesting. I I I my my immediate answer would be absolutely he would share the intel after going from one team to another. If some that guys happened. won't. Some really? guys won't. <laughs> yep. I didn't Especially know. Especially a, a guy on a one year deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's he might different, hold on right? to it. But, you know, you'd like to think, you know, and I think a majority of guys would, if it's your teammate, um, they're going to want to win. And if yeah. they see you getting shelled and you're doing the same tip that they had when he was yeah. with the Cardinals, if, if Fulty was tipping, he, I don't think he answered the question. But, you know, 10 spot in the first is kind of hard to overlook when you got his stuff. So there's a good chance he was. Um, but some guys won't tell, man. Some guys will hold on to it. One year deal makes you, the difference, though, right? Yeah, if but he was then a they'll tell you deal. in August. They'll tell you in August sometimes, and you're like, what the hell, man? Why didn't you tell me this in April? I got a five ERA. But most of the time, guys will tell you, though. Man, yeah, that's a that's tough. One-year deal, but it would seem like if you cared about your current team winning, you would do whatever it takes to, you know. But I can also see if it's a one-year deal and you're going to go somewhere else. One-year you deal, you the, never know, man. You want that tip wanna, for the future. You don't want to have kind of the reputation. Oh, yeah, yeah. You want Especially that with faulty stuff. Yeah. Yeah, now, maybe for this guy throwing 89, you don't need the tip, but a guy throwing even, 97, they might want to hold on to I didn't it. Think about that. Um, I think I, I did ask, uh, I thought I asked Fulty, but I know I asked around, and I think, in, and they did look at video because they got back to them that they, you know, they obviously heard that, you know, they, they heard they were probably tipping pitches, and they got back to them and they examined it, you know, kind of frame by frame, that kind of stuff. I don't think they found anything, but I could be wrong. I got to ask Fulty again, but. That was, I remember it came up and I asked somebody and they said that they did look. Obviously, you're going to do whatever it takes. You got a whole offseason after giving up 10 runs in the first inning, you know, you, six of them, I know, think, were faulties. Five Prado would tell me my tips every spring because Prado was really good at that. Uh -huh. He'd tell me, he'd tell me my tips like the second live BP, you know, and I'd try to fix them. And uh -huh. the thing about tipping is sometimes it's better to just not think about it. 
you know, right. and not How so? you don't want it in your head because you don't want it in your head. If the hitter knows what's coming, you're going to lose confidence in the pitch you're throwing. And then even if they don't know what's coming, you throw a hanging slider, it's getting banged. Right, right. So, you know, I, I had such a hard time. I just said, screw it. You know, if they know what's coming, I better make a good pitch. Huh. Next one's from T. That's a reliever mindset. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The next one's from, uh, T at coach Noonan. Do you have a guess to what the playoff format would look like with 16 teams? Love the pot. Um, the, you know, as you know, now there's 10 teams in the playoffs now, but under this new proposal, there'd be 16, uh, there'd be what three wild cards added in each league. So it'd be, There'd be you're starting to get up in the NBA territory where more teams would act literally more teams would make the playoffs than wouldn't. You'd have 16 in, 14 out. <laughs> but in a 60 That's, game, uh, I hate when a team with a losing record makes the playoffs in any sport. And, and there would be some, almost yeah. certainly, that would do it. But um, the what I what I it's not I, obviously it's not ironed out yet exactly the playoff format, but what I saw initially would be there would be three team or three game uh, series, not not wild card games. I don't know if they can do that when they have you know five wild cards in each league, or if they're you know if it works lengthwise if they don't want to go into November well in November with the playoffs if they could actually do a three game series, but I know they'd want to because that's the whole purpose is to get as many playoff games as possible because uh, the more playoff games, the more broadcast revenues. And it's a big number, the broadcast revenues for each playoff game. So I know they try to do three game series. Well, what's tricky about it is you're trying to hurry because, you know, they're worried about this second wave. Yeah, right. But a three game playoff series, you know, even in the first round and, and with a short season, you could have teams matching up. Say the Mets, you know, say say you're a much better team than the Mets, but you got to face the Grom and Syndergaard, uh-huh. who's out this year. But just hypothetically, you could lose to, a, you know, a five-game series gives you a lot better chance. you still got to face those guys twice. But the fact that you have to rush these series, you're probably going to have to have some three-game series. You know, I hate the wild card being a single game because right. anybody can Well, I mean, that's win. even – that's uh, if you if you don't like the three-game, what about the wild card? you got to face one. DeGrom. <laughs> right. Know? Right, and it happens. Or Scherzer you know, or whatever, or Strasburg. Face, yeah, happens all the face time. Face Bumgarner. Exactly. <laughs> you know? um, I like a so, three-game at least. At least it, it gives you a better chance, you know. It gives you a better chance. And, you know, well, I don't think any series is legit if it's shorter than five games. And ideally, that's that's what they'd all be. But since you can't play, you know, you got to have travel days and whatnot. They're right. going to have to rush it. It's going right. to be a crazy postseason, and there's going to be teams in it that don't belong and go far because they just have one really good pitcher or something like that. If it yeah. is a three game series, um, yeah. But it's you know it's going to be fun to watch. I think, and, and if you have to, rather than play one games, and I've said this about the wild card, if you have to absolutely have to, you could play a three game series in two days in one city. You make it. You you schedule. That's your home field. They're all in one place. Right. You schedule. One one game each day, and if it, and if they split the first two, then you play the second game becomes the second day becomes a doubleheader. I know yep. it's not easy, and there's problems, but you do it. Yep. Yeah, and that's that sucks too. You know, doubleheader, but yeah, but you it's to, it's going to be good baseball to watch. Better man. than having one game wild card though; those are awful. Yeah, me. we know that in Atlanta. <laughs> and a team also has to think about like in a three game series: Do you want to use? DeGrom and Syndergaard or whatever it is, you know, you uh, Scherzer and Strasburg in a three-game series because then they're not going to be available for that next series. You have to, though. I mean, you got to go on. 
You have to, unless you have, you know, Corbin. You, 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 if you want Strasburg and Scherzer and you don't want to use both of them, you think you can win it without both of them, you use one of them. I don't so, like that. I don't like that strategy. strategy. <laughs> a lot of strategy. <laughs> you could be like the Braves and, uh, and hold yes. too yeah. soon. <laughs> too <No>. soon. <laughs> hold Soroka back for the road, game three. Oh, man. Hey, listeners. Producer Cam here to tell you about dugout mugs. There's still time for a Father's Day gift, so why not check out Dugout Mugs? It's a company that was started in a college baseball dugout, and they create a 12-ounce mug out of the barrel of a baseball bat. It's been licensed by Major League Baseball, so you can have your favorite team, including the Atlanta Braves, engraved into a birchwood baseball bat barrel mug. It's perfect for the big game or to even put on display. It's a unique gift for any and all baseball fans. So if you're looking for a Father's Day gift or just missing baseball, make sure to check out dugoutmugs.com slash theathletic. And use the promo code MLB30 for 30% off your first purchase. That's dugoutmugs.com slash theathletic and use code MLB30, all one word. Fill that baseball void with your very own dugout mug today. Matt Carson Music at MD Martin. This guy, by the way, really good. This Matt Carson is a really good musician. And he's a blind dude. I'm just saying that because... It's amazing what he has done. He taught himself to play guitar. I got to know him a little bit on on uh, on online. He emailed me and everything, but and he and he sent me a copy of his CD, and it's it's great. It's Americana, it's uh, countryish, but uh, he's terrific. His name's Matt Carson. Man, that's incredible. Yeah, really cool dude. Uh, anyway, he uh, he has a question: If the DH is universal for the next two seasons and likely going forward. Do you see a roster increase from 26 to 27? I don't because no, the ALs had – you need less guys. Yeah, the ALs had DH with 25. So, yeah, yeah if anything, you'd, yeah. I think 26 is the number they were going to use this year or it is the number they were going to use this year before this thing got turned upside down. And I think that's going to be the thing going forward uh, with the new CBA, 26. Um, and it's going to be universal. I, I've given up the ghost on fighting the DH. Um <laughs> And, and, and I think, I mean, I just can't see him instituting it for this year and next year. And then the CBA, them no, it's somehow, not going away. yeah, going the other way, going, reverting. Nothing ever reverts back to what it was. No. You never have fewer games, you know, you never have, you know, once the NFL season's gone from 14 to 16, you never have fewer. And a lot of people think that MB, the major league season could go from 162 to 154. I think I the that. only way that could happen is if you add playoff games. The only, that's way the owners, the only way the owners would agree to it. Because money. Yeah. Yeah, you don't need an I don't think you need an extra roster spot when you, you don't have to make as many pitching changes and you can use guys, you know, you're getting guys more days off physically when you let them DH. Yeah. So I I don't think you'd need to. Um Cody Huff at C Huff fifteen uh five thirteen. Five one three. For Eric, what's the craziest comment <laughs> a fan has ever made to you in the bullpen to throw you off your game? Thanks, guys, uh, for the podcast. Thank you. They used to bring up my wife a lot. Um, How'd they know your wife? Instagram photos or something. I don't ah. know. Or seeing her walking. But the the one that got me the the what that did say about me. your wife? Fill me in. She's hot and stuff. Like that. But the um, the the one that got me, man. I was actually it was a home fan. I, it was supposed to be on my side. It was it was Mets fans, and uh-huh. I was warming up, and I had like a <laughs> I had like a twelve ERA already. 
and they were just begging me to get injured while I was warming up. <laughs> they were like, you know, need Tommy John again, right? Can, can you have Tommy John again? Can you roll your ankle? You know, they just went on for like four or five minutes straight, just begging for random, like an ACL tear. <laughs> And that was rock bottom for me, man. That was rock bottom when your own fans are, you know, begging for you to get hurt. They don't don't give a shit, do they? They didn't care. But (laughs) it actually, one of those things that when fans hit you with the right angle when you're warming up, it actually makes you laugh. You know, when they just scream that, you know, you're throwing 85 when you're warming up or things like that, or (laughs) you suck or you're going back to AAA. That stuff just dogs barking. But when they get creative or yeah. or hit you with a different angle, like they actually want you to get hurt because <laughs> you're on their team and they're sick of watching you pitch. Um, those ones catch your attention. I mean, we hear it all. It's it, You just get used to certain stuff. And then when they say something that stands oh. out, it definitely gets your attention. Well, everybody's moving the bullpens indoors and out out of the way now. Yeah. You, used to ha- you had a few, though, that were on the field. I mean, the Braves did back in the day at Fulton County Stadium. But at Wrigley, you did. and San Francisco, you did. And now those you are the do, worst. You do almost nowhere. I mean, you what nowhere now, right? Oh, that's another good one. You know, I used to, I used to um, lick my fingers before I threw each pitch. You know, yeah, we discussed and, that last. Show. Yeah, we did. Uh, the <laughs> whole, fans whole in San hand. Francisco, some girl started saying "you" every time I did. I did it, <laughs> and pretty soon, and San Francisco is one of those ones that's pretty personal. Yeah. I mean, they're like four or five feet away. Yeah, but they probably had a thousand people every time I went to my mouth screaming "you." <laughs> Over and over and over. I was like, that one got me pretty good, too. Oh, next one's from uh, Douglas C. Taylor. He says, John Smoltz likes to say he's the last pitcher to get Tommy John surgery who will be voted into the Hall of Fame. Do you agree, or will it take a while and one of these current coming out of high school TJ patients have a Hall of Fame career? No, he won't. I think he probably said he was the last one. Yeah. I don't think he was saying he'll be the last one because there's – too many of them have TJ surgery now for somebody not to get in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, somebody will, somebody will, will make it. But, you know, I was trying to think of current guys like yeah. Strasburg, DeGrom have both had it. Um, Strasburg, if he go. keeps on the path he started on last year, right? I mean, he'd have a shot. DeGrom He's put up will. really good numbers. He stays healthy another five years. But DeGrom's already 30. I know he is, yeah. He didn't get up to the big leagues till like 26, and he had it. You know, he had a ton of injuries anyway. Right. And once a guy's had Tommy John, you kind of think, you know, longevity-wise, right. if they're able to again, stay healthy maybe. and put up those numbers. So it's going to be tough, but they'll definitely be, you know, a high school kid or somebody that has it, and they just miss a year, and everything goes well Scherzer with it. never yeah. had it, right? I don't think – no, Scherzer didn't have it. And you'd yeah. think he would the way he throws. I yeah. Mean, it's it's yeah. violent, but – takes good care of his body. I think that's the other reason is guys guys really know how to take care of their bodies now and, and stay healthy. Man, a guy like, say, Jose Fernandez, you know, he had it yep. early. You would have thought yep. he was on the path for it. But yep. it'll happen. It'll happen. It's just a matter of time. But uh, I think DeGrom still has a chance, even though he's 30, because the standards are changing so much. You don't have to win – 300. 300. You don't even have to win 200 games anymore. It's totally changed. You know what Well, I mean? that's what I was looking at. That's I was looking at, you know, Strasburg's not even close to 200 wins. And yeah. that used to be kind of the benchmark was you needed 300 um, yeah. to get in or, or to be a shoe in. But that's changing, man. I don't know if we'll ever see another 300-game winner. No, there's no way. There's no way. No. There's no way. I cannot see – I can't even see a 250-game winner. No. I mean, it's, it's going to be hard. Yeah. So I think the standard will change or else you're just not going to be letting guys in. Yeah, it will. And I think you'll see people will start looking at like what Sandy Koufax did, where he was the most incredible pitcher in the world, maybe in history for five seasons. 
Yeah. But because of injuries, he had a really shortened career. Uh, 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 you know, but he struggled for his first few years before he became Sandy Koufax. But I think people will start maybe kind of weighing that against the injuries now and the cap careers are going to be shortened because guys go max effort and, you know, bullpens are, it's just, everything's changing. Yeah. And DeGrom's probably the most dominant pitcher, just consistently dominant. I've, I've played with and watched. So you got to think he's got a shot. Um, let's see. Uh, this one's from Steve Kelly at CU. Hughes, Steve, so he must be a Syracuse fan, says, why not agree to a, on a fiscally responsible plan this year, then introduce a profit-sharing type plan for all players over the next several years? Help us grow the game and recover uh, something profits over a, say, 2% annual increase are yours to make up for this year. Time is money and fans. Um, sure. I think I get the gist of what he's saying, and my immediate reaction is I can't ever see the players' union agreeing to any kind of profit-sharing, or which they see as a salary cap. Right. Yeah. I mean, why not agree on 65 games right now and play ball? Yeah. I don't, I mean, I don't, I'm not, I'm not an expert in these areas, but it's all so complicated. And it it seems like, you know, it's getting to the point where there's a lot of things you can say, why wouldn't they just agree to this and start growing the game? And and it really makes you question, you know, what the agenda is is here. And that's why it's been so ugly because it's all coming down to money, you know, and they're, they're fighting over every penny. Can't see the forest for the trees, man. Guys are, yeah. you know, they're dug in and they they know that the union has never given and they don't want to be the ones to to give now. And certainly Tony yep. Clark doesn't after what happened to him. We've discussed that before. So it's yeah, just a, a bad, it's kind of a perfect scenario of shit where, you know, guys don't want to give. And this is the time where they need to, cons- you know, make concessions and give. Both sides do. Yeah, just make it stop. You Not know, play worry paper, about rock, the scissors. precedent going forward. Just get it done now because this is a totally extenuating circumstances in so many ways. Yeah, you know, the only person who I know is wrong in this whole thing is the person that decided these negotiations should be should keep happening publicly. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why. Leaking who it, thought that was a good idea right. for all this to be out there right now? It started with the leaks, and then that became statements because guys are like, yeah. if it's going to get leaked anyway, then I'm just yeah. going to put out a statement. They should have agreed yep. from day one. None of this gets out. Okay, we're the people in this room are the only people that know. So yep. we know if it gets out, it was one of us. So nothing gets out. They should have agreed to that. And while as a reporter, I would have hated it because I want things to, you know, we want to we want to know what's going on. I also would have pr- appreciate it if nobody had the stuff because I think a deal would have gotten done by now if there wasn't. So but much just not ever in your mind to just not report it, right? <laughs> like, oh, here we well, go right. again. Well, Same but, story. Well, at this point, it's not even a good story anyway. You know, at all. I don't understand. You can't just say, you know, we're still working through some issues. It's a complex right. situation. Right. We have to make sure we cover every every right. detail well, and get this right. We can't wait to bring baseball back. You yep. know, just the blah, blah, blah. It. We'll be back stronger than ever. You say that and then you say we have a deal when it's done. You know, just two updates is, is would yeah. have been so much better for the game. Uh, Ghost of Pasquale Perez at of Pasquale says... So if a player or multiple players hits 400 in a 60 to 70 game season, does MLB put an asterisk next to it? Oh, man. Yes. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. Whether it's a physical asterisk or whatever, or just a line in the record books, it says you're going to have a record now for a full season, a 154 or 162 game season, and you're going to have a record for the shortened, the radically shortened season. That's the only way you got to do it. There'll be a lot of 65 game season records that are going to stand for a long time. Sure. Like ERA could be, and obviously, uh, batting average, like he just said, uh, you, those are the ones. I mean, 
and it's not. Didn't gonna a matter. lot of people want an asterisk, asterisk when uh, yeah. Maris broke the home yeah. run record? Yeah, and that was only it, eight eight extra games, right? But ultimately, they didn't get. Uh, you know, that was there maybe for a while, but it's not now, right? No, it's not now. I don't know, but not just just the thought that now. that eight more games. You know, you're talking yeah. about half a season now. For sure, you got to put. You can't have a guy saying he hit 400 over. 60 games dude you could go back and look at the number of guys who've hit 400 through 60 games it's a lot it's pretty lengthy yeah there's quite a few i mean there's a lot of guys not a lot but there's i can remember during my lifetime plenty of guys had 400 averages through 90 or 100 games george brett's the one that comes immediately in mind because i was living in kansas you know he he hit 400 well past 400 games chris johnson was doing it for the braves (laughs) you know amazing isn't it yep yeah yeah had a hell of a year. Um, Clay E at Clay4112. What do you enjoy? Uh, I guess this is for me. What do you enjoy and miss the most about covering baseball as a beat writer? What does your day-to-day job look like as a follow-up? What do you miss the least? What do I miss the most? Uh, the routine, going out, you know, and going to the ballpark, being outdoors, and usually nice weather, going down, talking to the to the guys, talking to the manager, being by the batting cage before, just the, kind of the whole routine and coming Having up a life. The, looking for a decent story every day, something new. You find something new yeah. and you have time to hang out down there and talk to the guys. Um, just, you know, it's a great way to, it's a great job to be able to go down there, you know, talk to the guys and stuff, especially when you're on a team where you got a bunch of good guys that, that are willing to talk and everything, which I've been fortunate enough to have. Um, and, uh, you know, not worrying about when a season's going to start or, you know, if there's going to be stuff to write about and how's your, you know, th- how's the, how's the, your, you know, your newspaper or, you know, your, your, uh, now your online, uh, shop, how's it holding up under these, all that worrying about all that kind of stuff. Um, uh, it's nice when things are going and, and everything's smooth and people are reading and enjoying and players are playing and all that. But, um, what do I miss the least? Traffic, period. <laughs> Driving to the games in the afternoon, or yeah. or what time do you usually go to the park during the uh, season? Between two thirty and three. So I try to get there before in Atlanta. You, that's a big you leave difference. At one. In Atlanta, it's a big difference between leaving at two thirty and three. If you leave two thirty, you're okay usually, especially on a motorcycle where I can go down the hot, the uh, HOV lane. But if it's raining, I can't ride on a motorcycle, so then I have to worry about. It both the traffic backing up in the rain and also I can't use the HOV lane. So, and the new place is not as easy. I could take, I could take surface roads, back roads to get to the, uh, to turn a field from my house, but I can't do that at the new place. I have to get on the freeway. So, but even on the road, like in New York, getting on the subway, make sure you get on the train, you know, before they get too crowded and you get on and, and make sure you get on a seven tr- express train instead of not, because you can't jump in a cab in New York really at three. You can, but you have to give yourself so much time when with traffic. It's a crapshoot. It could yeah. be. So I take we, we noticed there. that playing in New York. It could be an hour and a half in a taxi, or some days you fly. But I'd always like the guys that would ride the train with us. Yeah, I mean, I can't believe Team Bus leaves at like four in New York. I'm like, why do they do that? And you know, and it's and just God, media on it usually, and the starter. Yeah, the broadcasters, media. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and then everywhere, in some places, the few places where you still have to rent a car, there's only a few that I even do it in L.A. and uh, comes to mind and, you know, driving in those places. But generally, there's traffic at home. And also the bad coffee, press box coffee is generally horrible. There are exceptions, 
Seattle had Starbucks when we were there. There's a few places that have good coffee, but most of them it's crappy coffee, and I drink a lot of coffee. So that, uh, Everybody's got Keurigs now, though, don't they? Some, not many. You're, some you're probably too good for that. No, some have them, but there's a few, But and, and especially spring training, but most of them still have just bad coffee, bad big yeah. industrial machine. Burnt. The burnt. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And by the end of the night, when not many other people are drinking it, they either shut it down or you're drinking the stuff that's been sitting there for hours. It might even be, you know, yeah, lukewarm. Or yep. Anyway. Uh, for Eric, from one lefty to another, what's more annoying, scissors or three-ring binders? Feel free to add another option. That's worse. Uh, definitely the three-ring binders because it's just mm-hmm. – I write like a child. You know, if you have to, you have to reach around and curl your wrist to get around those things when you're a kid and it just forms a bad habit. I was filling out a disclosure form on a property I'm selling. And I was like, these people are going to back out of this deal just when they see my handwriting. It's like, they think they're buying this property from a seven-year-old. Not to mention, I didn't know half of the, you know, half, you have to put all these, like, is there a floodplain on the property? And I wrote, I don't know, like a six-year-old, like 15 times on this thing. <laughs> At least if I had nice handwriting, you know, it would have it would have looked better. <laughs> Still going right now, though. I think we got a shot. You know, I never thought about that when I was a kid. Binders and everything, lefties, because I didn't. I, my brother was left-handed, but I never asked him. Yeah, you know, I just took that for granted. They didn't have left-handed binders, right? No, and even when I go to the doctor or something like that, now I usually unclip the form and and turn the paper upside down so uh-huh. I can try to write normal, but. I don't know. I don't write that much. Maybe that's why my handwriting's yeah. so bad, but I'm blaming the three ring binder. Oh man, my, my writing sucks now, dude. I used to write it, you know, so much stuff. Now basically I write uh, checks. Yeah, I'm a dinosaur. I still write some checks. Uh, but if I have to like write and I don't even spend Christmas cards anymore, which I did up until a couple of years ago, but when I did and I wrote, want to write a note or just want to write a note on occasion to somebody, you know, for something, uh, whatever it is, my handwriting's terrible because you just yeah. don't do it. I think my five-year-old is giving me a run for my money at this point. Because <laughs> he has to write some, right? Yeah, he's learning. Um, let's see. The next one's from Jake Krim. JT Krim says, can you provide some insight on what it is like to go through Tommy John surgery? Also, how difficult is the rehab process? Eric, take it away. Well, it's it's painful, first of all, because you're trying to get range of motion back in that joint. Um and then it's just it's just a daily grind of you don't really feel like you're making any progress, um, mm-hmm. but you slowly start throwing again, and it just feels foreign. Um, I made a mistake when I was rehabbing; I put on about 15 pounds of muscle because I had this I had this thought in my head I was going to come back bigger and stronger than ever, uh-huh. and I think I lost a ton of range of motion, so I didn't help myself. Um, but they've gotten so much better at it since um, since I had it. You know, they they found ways to to kind of they do the scraping and cupping and break up the tissue and mm-hmm. and they get guys back to their range of motion quicker. But you know, it can be pretty stressful because if you don't get that range of motion back, once that scar tissue lays down and heals, um, mm-hmm. you're not getting it back. You know, you're not getting the extension back. So when you go to throw again, you're actually throwing kind of with a different arm. So you have to kind of retrain. Um, you have to retrain all your, your firing patterns mm-hmm. and, and, and regauge where your arm's at and stuff. So it's, it's really difficult. And that, that's kind of why for me, you know, teams aren't afraid of the Tommy John surgery and everything like that. Like you'll see a guy get drafted and it's just like, Oh good. He's already had it. Right. But in the back of my mind, I'm, I still think it's, you know, I think it's a really big deal. Yeah. Uh, even, even as they've gotten better at uh, rehabbing it, but yeah, you know, it's, 
it's really just a daily process of doing, you really try not to let your shoulder um, get weak and it's just a nightmare, man, for, for somebody that's used to having this whippy motion in their arm to try to throw with this right, stiff limb all right. of a sudden. Uh, throwing it, it, for me was really foreign. It's it, That's what I've heard from everybody is how tedious it is because it's, it's such tedious. an incremental. You don't yeah. see any improvement for a while, so it's frustrating. You're, you're wondering yeah. how long. Am I doing this right? Is this Is everybody else gone through this? Yeah, and that's probably the biggest thing is, you know, the whole time you're wondering, you know, is this thing going to work? Am I ever going to be the same? Yeah. And, you know, like for me, if you look at my numbers before Tommy John, the streak I was on running into it, and then the pitcher I was after, it wasn't even comparable. You know, yeah. I was just hanging on for dear life. And it was the most frustrating, kind of demoralizing, just deflating thing I've been through to try to throw a ball every day. And the signal just doesn't, Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, I just couldn't, I couldn't throw anymore. You know, and every every day I'd go to play catch, yeah. and it'd just be just poop coming out of my hand, man. It's you know, frustrating. Going back to what you said, how you still see it as a big deal. I think people get really uh, too comfortable in thinking that everybody that has Tommy John is going to get through it fine now because it's so common. But I heard a great, I mean, the great <clears throat> quote about that is, it doesn't matter what the surgery is. The only guarantee from surgery is that you're going to have a scar. That's the only guarantee. That's the only guarantee. And, you know, I've had, there's a lot of guys that could go see a doctor right now. And it happens a lot in baseball where a guy just has a little bit of elbow pain. Uh huh. It's like, don't ever do an MRI. That's what yeah. I tell every guy. Right, right. Don't, you don't even want to know what's going on there. Is any pitcher you could find a, sol- a yeah. shoulder surgery yeah. or an elbow surgery to do on him. But once you cut it open, man, it might not ne- never be yep. the same. I heard that Maddox pitched basically the second half of his career or much of it with a uh, partial tear in his ligament that in, that a lot of doctors would have seen and said if he wanted to go yeah. in and have Tommy John. Yeah, and nobody's afraid it. of it, so a lot of guys wind up just mm-hmm. opting for it. But, mm-hmm. you know, I pitched the whole second half of 2012 with a torn ligament, and I went scoreless. Wow. That's and amazing. then, yeah, but it, it wasn't – it felt better than after I had the surgery and my elbow was stiff and I didn't have that range of motion mm-hmm. and my elbow couldn't lay back the way it did. Uh-huh. Um, but yet, you know, for me, the lack of fear of it, it – <laughs> People are just jumping doing it. You see these dads that want yeah. their kid to have Tommy John because yeah. they think he's going to throw harder. Yeah. The reason guys Crazy. throw harder when they come back from Tommy John is all the shoulder work they do. Right. You know, they get their shoulders so strong and, and they, they strengthen areas that they haven't. But it's right. not like cutting a joint open and sewing it back together is ever going to give you velocity. That's Yeah, that's the thing I don't think a lot of people understand. But I've had other pitchers tell me exactly that is their arm felt better because you work so much on all those little muscles around the shoulder that you yeah. do not work on. Until you have to. Yeah. And that's that's where the velocity comes from. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so if there's any dads listening, your, your kid has a little elbow pain. Don't get that MRI. Just give him a few weeks off. Your shoulder gets so much stronger that you throw you, – you're better because of that if you do it right and do all the work. Yeah. But that's yeah, usually what it is. But no ligament or tendon. People say, oh, it's stronger after you've had it than it was before. Or like they break their thigh and the doctor the doctor told me it'll be stronger than it was before. No, no bone, no ligament is going to be stronger than it was before you broke it or tore it. Well, and even if it is stronger, it might not have the same range of motion, which is right. for me way more important in pitching. Um, right. The, the stretch of that ligament. Like I felt like mine just wouldn't stretch. You know, no matter how, <clears throat> no matter how hard I tried to throw – Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not crying now. I just choked on some some water. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I thought no you were getting how, emotional talking about it. 
no matter how hard you try to throw, uh, you know, if that elbow won't flex, you're just wearing it in other areas. And I had a ton of shoulder trouble yeah. um, after I came back. But that was the other thing was I already did all that shoulder work religiously. Uh-huh. So I didn't have as much uh-huh. to gain by going through right, that right. rehab process right. as a guy that's just picked up the ball and chucked it right. his whole career. Because you'd had shoulder problems before that. Yeah. The scar tissue is the, is the real problem too. Is so many guys have scar tissue and you got to get through that and break that up and come back from that too a lot of times. And everybody heals at a different rate. Mm-hmm. Um, Kylie Morrison, UT Kylie, 18, says, it's not hard to find out the umpires that everyone dislikes and kind of groans when they see them behind the plate. But as a pitcher, is were there umpires that you were excited to see behind the plate while pitching? Maybe you really liked their strike zone, got a lot of calls, et cetera. Uh, no, <laughs> no. I mean, no, but not. not not necessarily. You just remember the umpires that, that suck. You know, you remember the umpires yeah. that you have confrontations with. That's why everybody knows, you know, Joe West. Um, yeah. There's certain guys, they know all these umpires because they've had run-ins with them and stuff. But as a reliever, you're kind of just in and out of the game. And yeah. it's kind of a disadvantage because you don't get a chance to build that relationship with the umpires where maybe right. you could ask them a question about right. a, a close pitch. Um, but as a reliever, no. I mean, I just – I knew when the ump called what he was supposed to call and you don't really, they have a mask on, you know, you uh-huh. don't get a chance to really take mental notes of who's pretty good back there. But I think a lot of the starting pitchers for sure, they know who's behind yeah, the plate yeah, yeah. And, and how it's going to be that day. And it, it definitely affects their game plan. And hitters know? too. Hitters too. Yeah. yeah. Hitters will swing at a borderline pitch because they don't want to leave it up to the guy behind the plate. I guess one of the best, best compliments an umpire can get too, though, right? Is, Nobody is, knows you. Yeah. <laughs> You, yeah. you don't it's like become a reliever. Part of the, you don't, yeah, you don't become part of the game. They don't ever mention your name on the broadcast. Yep, just like a reliever. If nobody knows you, you're doing a good job. <laughs> um, yeah, unless you're a closer, right? Closer. Either. If you're not a closer, you don't want anybody to know your name. <laughs> All right, man. Those were great questions, and we appreciate it again, everybody. I, I, you guys never fail to come through with some really good stuff, questions, and and if we didn't get it to them all, then ask next time we do this. We'll probably do it a few more times until they uh, get a season going. So. It goes without saying, but smelling good is important. That's where Hawthorne comes in. Take Hawthorne's quick and easy two-minute quiz, and they'll set you up with personalized products from deodorants, shampoos, body washes, and even colognes. Make sure to check out Hawthorne ahead of Father's Day by visiting hawthorne.co. That's Hawthorne with an E, H-A-W-T-H-O-R-N-E, and dot co not.com hawthorne.co and use the promo code athletic to get 10% off your first purchase that's hawthorne.co and use the promo code athletic to get 10% off your first purchase that's hawthorne.co real quick let's just let's just update on the stalemate here between owners and players we won't we won't uh we won't bore you very long with this uh the end game kenny rosenthal wrote a story last night today settling at midpoint, why settling at midpoint 65 games might not work for MLB players or owners because the players, their proposal was 70, the most recent one, the owners 60. And these are both at full pro rata uh, salaries. So they wouldn't have to take a pay cut, which is what the owners were talking about initially. Pay cut from the per game, their full pro rated salaries. Right. Um, But right now you're stuck between 60 and 70. People are going, why not just do 65? Well, Kenny wrote a story about why, it might not work. It's not as easy as it sounds. Says uh, the uh, the owners offered sixty. The players came back with seventy. So you're past the stalemate of the prorated part. They all they're going okay. Well, we'll do that. The owners finally caved on that part. But 
Kenny says, split the difference at 65 and we're home, right? So not so quick. Says please. that. Uh, I'm sorry? I just said, please do that. Yeah, exactly. That's what everybody thinks. I, I Me too. The owners feel they extended themselves with their 60-game proposal, not just on the salaries, but also on the other concessions that they made. In fact, the owners believed they were on a cusp of a deal when Rob Manford, the commissioner, met with Tony Clark, the union head, uh, and they worked when when Manford flew out to Arizona and met with him on Monday for four hours or whatever it was, and they worked through a face to face or Tuesday. Uh, they uh, they had the notion that the union rejected that in resounding fashion two days later after Manford had done that hopeful got everybody all hopeful saying that. They thought they had. He thought they had the framework for a deal, and they working towards it. And there were some couple, couple of tweets from writers that said they're you know zeroing in on a deal, and then basically Clark peed all over that by with the statements on Thursday <laughs> saying, "Hey, that that we're not close to a deal. We've still got things to work out and all this stuff." So it, it frustrated everybody, obviously, um, to say the least. Uh, at this point, I think most fans have long since reached the point of saying, "Kind of just let us know when and if you get it settled." Yeah. Kind of will think about watching your damn mini season if that happens, right? I mean, again, I don't know who's leaking this stuff or who who thinks they're going to benefit from it. But Heyman said players told him that. Yeah, like what what players reaching out to Heyman after he's been a mouthpiece for the owners this whole time? Who's who's telling him we're close? I just I feel like that's a reach. Well, John but. has a really close connection to Scott Boris, as you know. So probably good, Scott. <laughs> his players are Scott. Yeah. Uh, Yankees president Randy Levine told Kenny. And Randy was the Levine was the uh, negotiator for the for MLB the owners coming out of the last strike in ninety four ninety five so he's got some experience in this shit so he said he thinks the players are pushing now past any reasonable point kind of where the owners are willing to go he told Kenny quote here's what I told Rob Manford today as I've said I have great respect for the players I just do not think we can reach agreement on the number of games I think the March twenty sixth agreement recognized that the commissioner has a right to set the schedule. Uh, so what I would do if I were the commissioner and what I've advised him to do was this. You have the players saying where and when we're ready to play. Let's do well, it. Well, we agreed to pay them 100% pro rata for, of their salaries. So he should say, we're finished talking about the number of games. That's what Levine said he told the commissioner. Um, and that's why everyone expects the league to kind of reject the players' proposal of 70 games, which would have a season starting July 19th and ending September 30th, ending at the regular time, basically. Uh, and by the way, I counted it up. That's very few off days, like three or four off days, if unless yeah. you have a bunch of doubleheaders in there. So they're obviously talking about doing more than just one or two doubleheaders. More than just one or two doubleheaders in there. Um, the players' latest offer off included a few things the owners want, which ex- expanded playoffs this year and next, as well as two other big changes for 2020 and 21. The DH in both leagues. I hate it, but as you said, I, I'm not fighting that anymore. Let's, whatever it takes, let's do this. <laughs> it's coming anyway eventually. If you got to cool. do it now, do it. And that sounds like it's definitely going to have to be done this year. And then the ability for teams to sell advertising on uniforms. Again, something in the past I would have said, are you freaking kidding? But right now, I don't care. If they have to look like no. Korea or the, the Caribbean World Series where there's ads on the unis, whatever it takes to play baseball. I just, at this point, I don't care about all this little aesthetic stuff. Which is nice because I think everybody's there where there's not going to be much bitching and complaining however they decide to do it. You know, I've thought about that 
this whole time though. I think we said it early on, you know, there's, there's gotta be ways to add some advertising, you know, mm-hmm. all the empty seats, do some green seat, yeah. green screens or whatever you got to do Plenty of to room. make up some of that money. I mean, every game, I guess every game that the owners give the player adds up to like 25 million, I think. Yeah. Um, exactly. And I don't think you're getting that in advertising, but yeah, it's at this point, man. And I've been here for weeks where it's just, I don't care anymore. Just let me know when, when baseball starts. And it's, it's just this back and forth. That's so ugly for the game that everybody just wants to end. If you want to put ads on the jerseys, go ahead. Do whatever you got to do. You know, I hated when NBA did it, but I got too yep. used to it pretty quick. And I, it's not a big deal to me anymore. So, especially the Milwaukee Bucks, because they have Harley Davidson logo on theirs. So it actually looks cooler. I went and bought one of the uh, <laughs> Greek freak. I went and bought one of his jerseys with the Harley Davidson logo on the on the left chest. <laughs> I mean, can you do some classy ads? If, if a yeah. Yankees jersey has a Pizza Hut logo on it, it's going to be kind of awkward. Yeah, and there are a lot of NBA ones that are. The problem is if you could get a a kind of a a firm or a corporation that's recognized to that team that has – that works great, but there's so few of those where it does work out. But like if you have the Braves, Coca-Cola or CNN or whatever, something that's identified with Atlanta, you know, it would be ideal, but, you know, chances that happening are not great. Or Delta, you know, whatever. Yeah, Delta's probably not got too much loose change laying around right <laughs> no, now. No, <laughs> good point. Good point. They're worried about surviving, man. Yeah, and I think that's going to be what what makes it the hardest is a lot of a yeah. lot of your normal yeah advertisers are going to be like we don't have you know we don't have the money to do it. Yeah, Coca Cola actually, I just saw somewhere they just cut ties to uh, MLB to advertising. They had a bunch with different individual teams too. I don't know if that was affected, but their overall thing with the with the with MLB, they did so. Yeah. Uh, and and this is important. The players also propose that both sides, this is obviously very important, waive their right to any grievance over the season length or anything else in the now infamous March agreement between the owners. The and players, players. approach? Uh, the, the yes. Players this, or the, they agreed to really? drop that cool. in, but that's if they go 70 games. Oh, okay. Because if they don't, if they, if it, now if, if, if uh, Manfred comes in with his unilaterally imposed 50, 52 game schedule or whatever it is, uh, 55 or what, what did Trevor say? It'll be, you know, something that doesn't look so obvious. <laughs> yeah. But if he comes in with that, the players are going to file a grievance probably on, you know, that didn't say that MLB did not try to play as many games as possible, which is what the March agreement was. And they, the grievance could, that's a big deal because the owners, because the, the, to the owners, because they think it could cost them hundreds of millions of dollars of grievance the players file. Yeah, and that's like that's my mindset keeps being just flip a coin at this point when you're this close, but then you realize the amount of money they're talking about. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's three hundred millions. That's not chump change. So the problem is the midpoint number of sixty five might not fly with the owners. Might not be enough, or it might be too many. And the players want more than sixty games to justify giving up the right to file a grievance. So we're going around and around. I know we're. I don't want to bore everybody with that, but that let's just. Yeah. It, we're just trying to make it clear that. It's just not it's not as easy as it sounds, unfortunately, for them just to split the difference. I wish they would. Wish they'd figure it out how way to do it. So I just wish it didn't sound like anything. I wish it was just we're trying to work this out still. We'll let you know when we have an, an agreement. You know, I do the daily reporting of it. Every time I see it, I just close out whatever app yeah. or website I'm on. Just the last thing here. Kenny also writes that the players are livid with Manford believing he has tried to villainize them publicly and you've you said that from day one. <laughs> That's what was going to happen. But yeah, they took exception 
with him saying the 60-game framework after that meeting with Clark, said saying that he discussed with Clark would form the basis of an agreement. The players viewed it as a proposal only. Uh, Kenny quoted one player anonymously who said, players think owners have their Ph.D. player-hater degree. <laughs> and the commissioner's office that. likewise questions the union leadership and tactics, believing the players are setting moving targets here. Yeah, yeah, no side. You know, that's, again, that's why I don't know why anyone thinks it's good to have it all out in public, you know, airing it all out there. But obviously someone thinks, you know, that, that yeah. saying the agreement's close is going to put pressure on the other side. Um, it's just, it's ugly to watch. Hey, read something. You want to read something good along those lines? Yeah. Read Paul Sullivan's letter he wrote today. I did. Wasn't <laughs> it great? And that's, that's how I feel. Sully is the BBWA president right now. He's our president of our writers, National Writers Association. And Sully, who writes for the Chicago Tribune, wrote a really good letter uh, to whom a leaked letter from himself, right? Right. To both (laughs) sides. He leaked the letter. He leaked it to someone else who then leaked it back to him. (laughs) That's a great (laughs) device. But he he makes so much sense in the letter talking about just get this damn thing done. So I urge you guys to read Paul Sullivan's letter. Uh, You can go on Twitter and find his thing, and he has it linked there. Paul Sullivan with Chicago Tribune. All right. That's it. We'll be back. We'll be back on uh, Tuesday, hopefully with good news, uh, but not promising anything at this point. <laughs> so I'm we appreciate all you guys hanging with us and giving us good ratings and all that. And just listen. Yep. All right. That's it for us. 755 is real for the week. Have a great weekend, everybody. Mm-hmm.